Welcome back to Hope on the Rise. We are doing our extended edition. Uh, I am the co-host Peter Englert. I'm here with our host and friend, Dr. Bob Roden. Before I get started in this extended edition, I want to remind you of two things. Uh, number one, uh, you can go to bobroden.com and click the donate button and just support this ministry as we bring hope to across the street and around the world. Uh, and so we want you to be a part of this. And so we'd love for you to donate. The second thing is our Hope on the Rise extended edition is going to be changing. We are going to be interviewing different individuals, and that's actually going to start next month. Bob, before we uh, start in the podcast topic for this last kind of Hope on the Rise extended edition in this format, what made you decide to start interviewing people? Well, you know, I thought it was time for a, a, a change. Uh, also, I have lots of friends and uh, people that I thought would be nice to hear from about how Hope on the Rise is working in their their area, what they're doing. And uh, I've seen that word a lot recently, the word hope. As a matter of fact, the guy named Steve Strang, who is a founder of Charisma Media Ministries, uh, has a YouTube now called Hope in an Upside Down World. And uh, that's, a, that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool topic. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of people have interest in the word hope, and I thought let's talk to some folks who are, uh, you know, who are who are thinking about hope, and just get their get their perspective. Bob, that sounds awesome! Can't wait to go on the ride with you on that. And so let's uh, that brings us right into our topic for today. So we're uh, you've done some lessons in Galilee, and so I I kind of want to start with this idea of a theology of place. And let's just start super specific for you. What is it about being in the actual Galilee where the Bible talks about Jesus being? What do you think that that does on our spiritual journeys to actually show up there? Yeah, there's something about being in a place. I like the phrase theology of place. And uh, when I, I've been to Israel five times now. This last time, I only went up to the Sea of Galilee area. The other times, we were down in Jerusalem as well. But the, um, the you always discover something new and uh, uh, are fresh, I think, is a better way to say it. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, but, but you discover fresh things. This last time, I, uh, I, I, I somebody told me about the Jesus Trail. Now, whether it's legendary or, you know, actually the place, but... It starts up in Nazareth and goes through Cana and comes down towards the Sea of Galilee. And it may have been the path that Jesus took to come down to the Sea of Galilee. And then you go over to Capernaum. So it's kind of the area where he did his ministry. And uh, I've been struck by the fact that so much of his ministry happened in Galilee. And and that he dealt a lot with marginalized people. The, uh, and so I when you, you, you learn from Jesus... By being there, you know, the things that were important to him should be important to us as well. (laughs) Mm. I think that that's a great way to start. And we'll talk about the different episodes. But I I guess we don't always have to go halfway across the world uh, for a theology of place. What are some places in your life that you would say there's something holy and sacred about that place? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, just so glad you asked about that, Peter, because I, I think everybody has certain places, uh, 
let me just uh, identify a couple that would. Uh, I, I'm thinking first of all, uh, I want to go to a graveyard. Now that's a that's a difficult place to start, I know, but but there are two graveyards that I go and visit. Oh, every three to five years, one is the grave of my grandmother. That that's a very sacred place for me, because my grandmother took me into her home when. I was two years old. My mother and my stepdad were killed. So my grandmother took me into her little home. No running water, you know, no electric lights, no indoor plumbing, and, and, and the day before Pampers. <laughs> so she, she, she had a washing you know, rub board. But my grandmother loved me, and she taught me those things about respect that we've talked about on the podcast uh, earlier. So I, I go and I stand there at that gravesite. And uh, it's just it's just a moment when I, I, I always say to her, thank you. I call her Granny. I say, thank you, Granny, for, for what you gave me in my life. It's also the place where at her, at her funeral in 1958, I stood there with a lot of, lot of grief in my heart because this woman loved me and cared for me. And, and I had an uncle who came over to me, put his hand on my shoulder. And he said to me, Bob, you can't bring her back, but you can go where she is. Mm. What an impact on my life. I was not I was not a Christian at the time, but later that year, I committed my life to Christ. So that is a sacred place for me uh, to go and stand here. The other place is out in an old town where my mother is buried. And when I go to my mother's grave, the mother I never knew, because I was only two years old when she was when she was killed, and when I go and stand at my mother's grave, I I say almost every time, "Thanks, Mom, for giving me life." She was only fourteen years old when I was born. She was ten days shy of fifteen when I was born, and I just say, "Mom, thanks for giving me life. Couldn't have been easy for you, but thank you." And uh, so those are two, two sacred places for me when I'm talking about the theology of place. Another uh, place is uh, Tacoma Falls College. That's that's where I enrolled as a as a freshman in 1959 to study for the ministry. I had never heard the song "It Is Well with My Soul," and I'm in chapel service there, and they start singing that song, and I just sort of is overflowed inside with with gratitude. It is well with my soul. Uh, I'd also never heard the song, Like a River Glorious is God's perfect peace. And to hear those those songs of the church that did something for me, and it, there's so many other things I can say about Tekoa, but, but those are just two little things that theology of place. I, I, every time I hear those songs, wherever I am, and you don't hear them much anymore because that, you know, music changes, obviously. But those those hymns, whatever they're sung, my memory goes to, to Koa. And the, and the final place I want to talk about is, uh, is a green leather recliner chair. I, I call it my inspiration chair. It, it's where I sit in the morning, uh, where I put, put my earphones on and I listen to Scripture I read through the Bible once a year, and uh, and I sit in that chair, and I read and 
And as I go through, I'll underline and say, well, I didn't see that verse last year. I didn't see that idea last year. And I'll underline it. And uh, it's also the place where I keep my uh, nail clippers. The nail clippers that remind me of when I when I clipped Dr. McLean's toenails. And I keep it as a reminder there. Remind me, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of God. So theology of place, It's a, I think it's an important piece of uh, of our lives. And uh, what about you, Peter? You've got to have a couple of places as well that are theology of place for you. Well, kind of following your rhythm, um, you know, the first place people might be surprised, but uh, when you go uh, I-90 and you hit uh, I-81 from Rochester to Syracuse and you start going south to Binghamton, um, I pass Galisano Children's Hospital. And there's a number of different reasons why that is an important place. Number one, you know, my sister is a cancer survivor. So that was the hospital that we went to as a family, um, you know, and after she completed her chemo treatments, then we'd go once a year. And it was just it's been a constant reminder. She's uh, she's older than me. And it's just been a constant reminder of God's faithfulness. But, you know, also when I was dating my wife, Robin, I drove uh, from 81 to 90 and I'd pass that hospital. We were in a long distance relationship. And so there's just there's a lot of miles uh, passing that mm-hmm. hospital, passing Syracuse and seeing the seeing the dome um, that that they have there. But so I think that that's one place. Um, you know, I also think about, you know, when I head home to First Assembly of God Binghamton, uh, they've redone the sanctuary a little bit. But, you know, we used to have these Sunday night services and we used to use those old words like you know, Terry at the altar, which means (laughs) simply go up front and pray. And, you know, I I didn't realize how formative those experiences were in my life to, you know, to sit for 30 to 40 minutes and Mm. just, you know, wait on God's presence. Um, I I think that that's that's huge. And, you know, probably the other place, uh, and I wish I would have gone there more, but, and we talked about this in a pre-conversation, is uh, this past year I drove around Valley Forge. I didn't actually go inside, but you know this. There were so many friendships and so many memories, and so many places. You know, I think about you know while I was dating my wife. You know, we were ending this huge conference, and she was walking around, and I just caught her. You know, she didn't attend there; she was visiting me. Um, but I think about you know my boss Bill Chenko. Um, I think about my other coworker and boss Tammy Moyer and. You know, my friend Joe Terreri, all of these relationships that were fostered there. Um, you know, I, and then I'll just name one last kind of spiritual place. But anytime I find a basketball court um, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you just sit and you take some shots and, um, you know, there's something spiritual about that where my mind kind of rests and uh, sense God's presence. I, we actually have a court not too far from our house, and I have a friend, Charlie. He's actually a comedian, so he picks on me for my driving, but we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of pull in, you know, to the parking lot, and if I see him playing, I say, hey, let's play one-on-one. So those are a few places for me. Yeah. And, and you know, you just triggered another thought in my mind that I have. When the, the first church building, well, we we planted Weston Assembly of God, and, and we built this first building. It's octagonal in shape. 
though it's seating in the round, and it has a skylight at the top. It's it's a, it's just a beautiful little chapel, and and we had a sculpture do tongues of fire in a a, a, a really a it's just hanging from the ceiling in in that little chapel, and I used to go love to go and sit there, and just just enjoy the presence of God. You know, I know you can enjoy the presence of God in nature wherever you are, but but for me, sitting in that in that place, and a number of other people have commented that that became a, a sacred place uh, for them as well. So, uh, church buildings can certainly carry a a huge meaning for us. I know, as we think about our our journey uh, with God and what He's done yeah. in all of our lives. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because there's a story that you tell. Um, you were retiring from West End Assembly of God. And you took the job as superintendent and it was, you know, it was your last sermon and it's a Saturday night and you're like, why don't I feel any emotion? And you're like, well, the people aren't here. And, you know, I compare that with my story, which is, you know, whenever I preach at Browncroft, uh, I go to the sanctuary on Saturday morning, you know, and I run through and I pray, but, you know, I walk by every single seat and I just, I think about the people that are sitting there and I just, if God kind of sparks it, I pray. And, you know, I, I think that in some of those times you just, you know, you don't feel it because the people aren't there, but you, you begin to just get, God, help me see what you see. Help me hear what you see. Like, it's just not about getting the sermon notes right, but it's realizing you're part of someone's story of how God's changing their life. Yeah. And, you know, there may be somebody listening to us, even right now, Peter, who is, you're planning to, you're in the process of maybe leaving someplace. I call it an exit strategy whenever you're ready to leave. On that evening, I walked through the whole building and came and stood at the podium and, and said, why can't I cry? And it's because the people aren't here. That's really what ministry is about. It's about people. We're, we're talking about places. Places are important. I think buildings are important. But it's really the people that we serve that make, makes the difference, that, to, that helps us. To, uh, to focus on what Jesus focused on. He focused on people, that's for sure. Well, speaking of that, that's a great segue. I, I just as you went back to Galilee, you know, and I'd encourage all of our listeners to re-listen. I mean, they've just been great episodes. But, you know, what were maybe three or four surprises to you that maybe you didn't see before? Because you haven't been following Jesus for that long, just a couple <laughs> decades. Yeah, well... As I mentioned a little bit ago, first one was the Jesus Trail. Uh, it it just is, and the first place to stop on that Jesus Trail is Cana uh, of Galilee, where Jesus did his first miracle. And uh, in the uh, in the podcast that I did this month, the the lesson of that podcast was somebody has to fill the water jugs in order for there to be a miracle. And here were these servants who fill the water jugs. And then Jesus does the miracle. I'm, I'm thankful for all the people in our churches who serve. I, I cited two people who were ushers who fill the water jugs every Sunday. What they did, they prepared ministry for, for other people. So so that was uh, thinking about Cana when I was there this time was really uh, really important for me. I also, we went back down to uh, Capernaum and, uh, and we went out. The, the Sea of Galilee was was higher, the water level was higher this time. So the, the shoreline was not as accessible as at some other times. But in, when we went to Capernaum and I 
I stood there and, and we did the uh, the podcast, and I thought, you know, things change, things really do change, and we have to we have to be prepared for those kind of changes in our in our life. But a lot happened at Capernaum. That's where Jesus went to live. It came clearly clear to me that Jesus was raised in Nazareth, but once he was baptized in the River of Jordan and started his ministry, it said that he moved to Capernaum. So it, things really centered around Capernaum for his for most of his ministry in, in Galilee, and that's a that's just a that place. So much happened there. It's where they brought the the guy in and they put him down to the roof, and, and he was healed. It's where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, they are C- Capernaum was a central place as a synagogue there. Uh, so I as every time I go, you just kind of get refreshed with these. Uh, these truths, and and as I'm reading the Bible now, when I see the word Capernaum, you know, all of these these images begin to go up in my mind. Uh, I, I would encourage any of our listeners, Peter, if they've not taken a trip to to Israel, to the the first time you go, it will be like drinking water from a fire hydrant. I mean, there's just so much to you. Know, but it, the second time you go, you begin to absorb things and and begin to put it in place and. Uh, it is so important for I think uh, people in ministry to to contextualize the scripture and, and to be able to put in geography to to put it together. And I thought about Jesus had to walk everywhere. I mean, it took days to go places. We, we're in this microwave instant generation where everything happens. But you know, walked by it could take days to get somewhere, and uh, the the pace of life was so different than it is now. So just a, just some random thoughts that go through your mind whenever, you, whenever you're at that place. Well, you know, it just reminds me, too, that, you know, Mark Batterson says this a ton, change of place, change of perspective. And, you know, I, I think even for our listeners, number one application, um, and this kind of includes me, uh, if you haven't been to Israel, you got to go, <laughs> <laughs> number one. But then number two I I think that sometimes we get stuck in the rat race and the hustle and bustle of life. And it's even kind of taking that application question, you know, where do you need to go? Um, I think about when when I get really stuck, sometimes I, I drive about five to seven miles to where Lake Ontario is off of Rochester. I don't live that far. And it's just so vast. And you can see the waves come in. Sometimes it's still, but sometimes when I really need to take some perspective, that's where I go. And, you know, I just challenge our listeners that maybe, yeah, go to Israel, sign up, save money, but also find those places in your life right now that mean the most to you because something happens to us. And, and you know, there's a, uh, on uh, one of the podcasts this month, I, I told this, this, it's not a story. It's really a, Something that happened to uh, to Beth Moore, who is a very popular Bible teacher, and uh, she said that she was at a conference, and uh, and they were having a question and answer time, and a lady asked her the best question she's ever had asked anywhere. The lady said to her, "What's the knot on your rope?" Wow, is that ever a good question? What what do you hang on to? And of course, Beth Moore gave her John. Fifteen nine, saying that God loves Jesus and Jesus loves us like God loves him. 
that's her knot. So what's the knot on, on, on your rope? What's the knot on anybody's rope? What do you hang on to whenever you're sliding down the rope and your hands are, you know, are blistering and you're saying, I, I don't know what to do next. Everybody's got to find a knot to hang on to. And to hang on, for me, it's hope. Psalm seventy-one, fourteen. But as for me, I will always have hope. I always come back to that. Whatever I'm dealing with, I hang on to that knot. And that's that's what, what gives me security. And and for the disciples, when uh, when they when Jesus taught from the boat, and then he said, Hey, launch out into the deep water, and they're saying, Hey, you know, it's you that's that's night fishing when you go to the deep, but now it's daylight. But Peter says, Okay, if you say so, because you say so, I'll do it. That became their knot. And they caught all of these fish. And and a matter of fact, sometimes they had to signal their partners to come and help them. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm going to make you fishers have been now. Well, when they hang on to that nut, because you say so. I mean, what a powerful line. Because whatever God says to us, whatever you say, I, I want to do. So whatever your knot is, hang on to it. And if you haven't gotten one, then, then find a knot. I think it was uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt who said, when you come to the end of your rope, you tie a knot and hang on. So we're talking about tie, a spiritual knot now, a spiritual knot that you can hang on to in life. Wow. Uh, so that's a great place to close. Uh, you know, we we hope that as you tie your knot that you sense hope. Uh, Bob, any final thoughts before we let our listeners go, or do you want to pray for them? Uh, I'd, just, I'd love to have a prayer today, and I'm just grateful again for the opportunity for us to connect, Peter. You're, a, you're a, just a, a special friend. And I love the generational piece where, you know, this is like geeks and geezers, you know? <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and obviously I'm the geezer. Let's, let's get that straight. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, I would encourage anybody who is who is over 50 or 55 to make sure you try to connect with someone who's younger and and to, and to develop friendships and and share your stories share your life it's it's wonderful so let me have a prayer as we end up today okay that be all right sounds good so lord thank you for that you've told us that you are the one who guides and leads our life i pray for all of our friends today lord would you would you enable them for those particularly over 50 to find someone younger that they can connect with that they can speak with that they can show love to that they can be a friend with and they can listen to they can learn from they can interact with they can share life i pray oh god for for these relationships that will develop because of the love of christ in our lives I thank you for Peter today, and I pray that you'll bless him today and his family and his friends, oh God. Would you bless his life, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on Hope on the Rise. You can find more uh, about Bob Roden at bobroden.com. Make sure you click the donate button and the subscribe button. And then also, uh, you know, for the younger and older generations, make sure you buy Four Faces of a Leader and Restless to Reconcile, those two books. Thank you so much for joining us.